my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. What does speaking at conferences really do for you? You know, you've been speaking at events for a long time. I have as well. I actually took time to jot down all the things I've gotten from speaking yeah. and try to map out the ROI for me. Well, that's great. You jotted it down, so you go first. Because I, I had this topic idea too, but um, no, you, you go because you've thought about it a little bit. And then as you go, I'm thinking. All right, so I've spoken at over 100 events. I've been doing this for way more than 10 years now. Uh, I used to charge for speaking at events, but that's slowed down, and I don't really care for the speaking fees these days. I more so just want to do it for fun. Just a first-class flight and first-class accommodation, you know? Ideally, yes, uh, but sometimes <laughs> I don't even care if I pay for that. It's more so I want to make sure the right audience is in there. I love all people, but I want to make sure I can pick up business. And when I look at what it's done for me so far... Uh, first off, personal branding. I found that I build a deeper connection with the audience when I speak in person versus just creating a reel or a blog post. And I know that the impressions on the social content are way higher, but still that connection is deep. And I think that really helps with personal branding because you can develop more of an emotional connection. I've also found that if you keep speaking at events, people over time take pictures with you, which also helps with personal branding and makes you seem more like an expert versus not an expert. Um, the second one was social content. One of the best forms of content that I put up on my social platforms is just video clips of me speaking on stage. Chop it up. I know you've done that as well. And again, this tends to elevate the brand because it just shows people you're speaking on stage and you're just taking nuggets from it. The third is business opportunities. It was really simple. Um, you speak about marketing to the right audience. You get some leads and maybe some of those close into customers. Uh, but it's been more than just getting customers from my ad agency. I've also gotten advisor shares in numerous companies like Freshworks or other cuts in people's businesses and they're giving me a check each month. Some of it worked out, others didn't. I haven't taken advisor shares in I don't even know how many years. I haven't taken cuts in other people's business in the same thing. Like I just don't do it anymore. Uh, and the advisor shares have produced more than a half a million dollars in income over the years, so that's not bad. Press is another one. I found that most of my PR opportunities have come from me speaking at an event and then the journalist trying to set up appointments after my speech. And that's how I got featured on like Forbes or Inc or Entrepreneur or CNN. 
And my favorite one is, and I know you do your own dinners, but when you go to events and you speak, a lot of times they have speaker dinners. From there, I end up uh, going to the dinners. You end up meeting a lot of experts who are great at certain things that you may not be experts in, and they end up sharing their knowledge. I think that's really good because it just helps you as you know, you're, you're taking your term, it helps you level up your game. That's right. Uh, all right. So on my side, I, I think to add to this, Speaking at conferences adds a lot of perspective at the end of the day. So being like last year, actually Neil and I were at a couple events together last year. Uh, so Dubai, for example, we're in Dubai. I, I think to be able to explore the world, going to Dubai, going to Hong Kong, going to all these places, uh, I don't know, where else? There's Brazil, for example. There's a lot of interesting places that, that we've both spoken at. And uh, I think that adds a level of humility. So it's good for from a personal standpoint. But also on the social proof side of things, same thing with what Neil said. I, we take the content, we chop it up, we, we post it. And then what happens is you get invited to speak at one conference and you get uh -huh. you get invited to speak at other conferences because other, other arrangers or organizers are also in the crowd and they want to see you elsewhere. Or, and, or the same one over and over again. Because yeah. you've mentioned that to me like with affiliate where you're like, hey, do you want to speak there again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that happens often too. Yeah. And the other thing is when you go to these things, as you become more experienced as a speaker, you get to maximize the event. So I spoke at SaaS Talk for a couple of years. It was a SaaS conference in, in Europe, still is. And for example, I'll speak, but then also there's a podcast stage. So I'll try to maximize as much podcast I can do. So I'll do like four or five podcasts too. And then I'll set up a dinner in addition to the speaker dinner as well. So I'll set my own dinner because then I can control the audience and I can control, I can control. Wait, so you do the speaker dinner and your own dinner or yeah. just the speaker dinner? I do both. Yeah. So I usually I'll host the dinner. I'll just cover the bill because it's just easier that way. And then I'll kind of curate the group. Let's go back here. Okay. So you do your own dinner. How many people do you typically have at the dinner? Typically it's 10. Sometimes it's up to like 20. And how do you uh, pick the people for the dinner? So I'll look at the speakers list. I'll be like, who do I think is interesting here? Do I want to have to come to the thing? Sometimes I'll also ask them like, who else do you know that's really interesting that should be here? And then what I'll also do is I'll look at people that are local in the area. Let's say I'm in London and I have some other badass friends there. I'll try to mix them. And then you and I are both in YPO. I'll try to get some YPO people or some, like when I was in EO in the past, I'll find people in the area and I'll just try to meld the pot together. And then it's like, I just become the connector. And then people remember me for that. And then what's the purpose of the dinner that you're setting up? Mine, I just know when I set up these dinners, like it all comes back to me later, right? Like it, whether it's business deals, people giving me equity, whatever it is exactly, or someone introducing me to a hire, it all comes back. I just, um, it, it's the, the, the quote that your, your partner Heaton used to like to use, um, help others get what they want and you get whatever you want. So that's why I like doing the dinners. So when you're doing the dinners, let's say you have 10 people, let's just keep it simple. Yeah. What's the format of dinners? Is it arranged seating? Yeah. What's it's um, so sometimes very rarely is it arranged. I, I would say most of the time people are just sitting like I do encourage people to sit next to people that, that they don't know. And sometimes when I see like a click together, I'll, I'll break it up a little bit and just just to make it more interesting. Um, the main thing I do with the dinner, a lot of people fail this when they do that. When you guys, if you're going to set up a dinner, don't just like have everyone come in. Like you and I, we went to dinner recently and um, we, we all just got you and I, it was you, me and you, maybe we talked to some people around us and we just went home, right? Yeah. That is not the way to do a dinner. The way to do a dinner is, and you see me do this because you come, you came to my dinners. It's like, hey guys, we're going to go around the table. Food hasn't arrived yet. Um, you're going to talk about who you are, what you do, one thing you can offer, and one thing you need, right? And sometimes I might add like another fun question. And then at least we get the intros out of the way. 
get the food order, and then like you can just talk about whatever you want. Or you can make it a situation where it's only it's a Jeffersonian dinner, which means you only have one topic. So you can't talk to other people. There's only one conversation happening the whole time. I've done that a couple of times. That works too. Oh, a Jeffersonian dinner? I've never done so that. So when Thomas Jefferson used to do dinners with all the prep, like, you know, badasses in America, it used to be just one topic they were talking about. And everyone had to stay focused on that. So you can't just discuss random stuff? No, no. As long, well, you can discuss random stuff as long as everyone's in on it. But, but, it, but that warms if it doesn't align with the topic. Then, like, then it starts to like break down. But like, I've never seen a Jeffersonian dinner fail. It's actually pretty good. Like Ted does that a lot. The the conference. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then you've mentioned that you've gotten business from these dinners. How mm-hmm. have you gotten business from these dinners? Like, how does that happen? Is it someone at the dinner yeah. saying, hey, Eric, uh, yep. you mentioned you do marketing because you did the intro. You say, yep. hey, I'm Eric Sue. I yep. actually do your intro so that way people can get it. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, hey, guys, my name's Eric. Uh, most of you probably know who I won't say this part, really, but usually I'll say, sometimes I'll say this, but I'll say, hey, look, I'm a marketer. Uh, you know, main business is an ad agency. And, um, you know, one thing I need right now is I need um, I need these sales hires. And if you know anyone that's a badass agency salesperson, let me know. Um, one thing I can offer is, you know, I really like podcasting. You know, I'm decent at SEO. And, um, you know, I usually get asked about, you know, marketers to hire. So maybe I can make an introduction for you. So it might be something like that. And then, oh, one fun fact about me, I used to play poker 14 hours a day in college. So, yeah. <laughs> Okay, and then how does a business come about in most yeah. cases? Because you've done yeah. how many of these dinners have you done? Now? A lot. I, I don't. It's probably over. I don't know. It's got to be close to like a hundred or something. It's a lot. Okay. Um, and I would. Okay. I'll, here's what I'll say. I remember this one dinner I did in San Francisco, and this is like you know peak tech, right? This is when uh, Sidecar was around, Uber, Lyft, right? And um, one of the people at the dinner, they were were they were a client. Right, they already they were already a client, but then they introduced Lyft next, and that that's how we got Lyft. And then in that dinner too, uh, somebody else introduced um, Looker, the analytics company that yeah, sold yeah. to Google eventually. Right, so they became like we we talked to them. I think we did like a small engagement with them. Um, so yeah, that led to like two three things right there. And what what's the biggest contract that you've gotten from one of these dinners? I can't. I feel like it. I think it was probably like two or three hundred grand, something like that. Per year, customer stays a few years, so yeah. half a million plus. Yeah, yeah, not bad. Dinner cost you what? Two grand? One Dinner grand? cost me well, usually around two to three grand or so. Um, and then if it's like a you know sometimes it might the bigger one. I remember I did a really big one. I was like ten grand. So yeah, yeah. Ouch, yeah. the ten grand one hurts. Yeah, yeah, it does hurt. That yes, one, I didn't, I didn't get anything from that one, by the way. <laughs> yeah, which means that it's really important to curate the list and make sure you have the right people in yes, the audience. Yes, yeah, you can't. You here's what's really important: you need to have founders. Like, if you're gonna do founders, just have them all be founders. If you're gonna have all marketers, just have them all be marketers. But they all need to be around the same level. That's something I learned pretty early in my career. Like, because if you have like CEOs and you have like an intern, for example, the intern's gonna feel out of whack, right? Um, and then also like if you have like half interns, half CEOs, the CEOs are gonna be like, dude, why why am I wasting my time here, right? So it's gotta be balanced out. You gotta be a good curator. Yeah. Yeah. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? 
Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. Oracle.com slash strategic. So cool. Um, another thing that, you know, we've talked about, I know you and I have done a lot of interviews. We've done podcasts. You guys are talking about dinners right now. Uh, what has ranking on Google done for you? Like when I look at, you know, my life, I look at it funny enough. I've gotten a lot from speaking at conferences. And the other thing I've gotten a lot from is just ranking on Google really high up over the years. I have a story. Go for it. Okay. Without Google, single grain wouldn't be here today. Like this is back in the day, right? This is when I was trying to, the, the background with the ad agency is I came in, I actually made the company go from bad to worse in the first year. Whoa, you, you got to explain the bad to worse because I yeah. didn't know about this. You, you do know. So I... When I took over Single Grain, um, so Neil was actually one of the partners in Single Grain before. He wasn't one of the founders, um, but I took it over. I was, I was like, a silent partner that just would get my 10% check. Oh, you're a very loud partner. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it was, uh, I was like 26 or 27 years old. Neil wasn't actually that loud. Um, but I didn't know how to run a business, right? And so what happened was you know, we had a bunch of people uh, quit in the first year. And um, what I would say is we, we had... We got lucky because when I first joined, we started guest blogging pretty hardcore. And the guest blogging actually got us to rank for the keyword digital marketing agency. We got number we held number one for that for like two years or so. Because we were able to do that, and because you and I were hanging out at traffic and conversion conference, and you're like, dude, why don't you just try referring the leads out or whatever? I was like, oh, that's really smart. And because I had the ranking, I referred all those leads out. We referred it to a mutual partner. And then um, that was able to to help us recover and then eventually hire the right people to save the company. See, the reason I think you struggled at the beginning wasn't any of that. I think you paid more for the business than you should have. $2? No, you paid more than that. I paid $2 out of pocket. Yeah, but yeah. you had to pay payments on the back end. Yeah, well, we'll, not, well, we won't go into that, but continue. Yeah, but when I looked at the business and the health of it at that time, there were some issues that ended up happening, hence the partnership ended up breaking up. Uh, nothing between Eric and I, but there was just general issues on what was happening with the business. And my feedback to Eric was, you should take over the business and pay $0 for it. Yes, he did pay $2 up front, but he paid money on the back end. And I believed at that time, and I know I pushed you on this, mm -hmm. you should have taken it over and got it for pretty much free. 
hey, I, I'm not going to argue against that. I think I should have gotten it for free too. Yeah. It was a lot of work. Yeah. It, no, not just a lot of work, but like uh, there was financial issues with the business yeah. and you didn't take your fair share, yeah. right? So you shouldn't have to pay anything for it. I was in the same boat as you, yeah. but I didn't care because it's not like I was putting any sweat equity in into yeah. the business or anything. Yeah. You should have just gotten the business for free. But the... I agree with you. I would just say going back to the original point around the how has Google ranking helped? I mean, it's made me millions and millions, like millions and millions of dollars, dollars, right? Like, and I think your point was, let's go to your story over here. How much like have you made from Google rankings? Dude, I, I don't know the dollar amount, but it has to be a lot of revenue. And the reason yeah. I say that is if I look at the brand building that I've done, a lot of it's come from blogging and Google rankings. If I look at, um, you know, the press I've gotten, a lot of it came from journalists doing Google searches and then hitting us up. Look at a lot of the customers we've gotten, same thing. If I had to add up all the years I've been in business, I would f be fairly certain it's over $100 million in revenue just from Google rankings. Well, there you go. So this is how Neil made $100 million from just Google rankings. Not profit, not profit. Not profit. Yeah. There's a lot of expenses involved in these things. And yeah. you know that. Yeah. Well, but, and then you said, what was the other thing that you said? Uh, press, speaking engagements, which we already talked about. Um, branding, which I think has helped tremendously. It's also helped me build a following on all the networks because then I ended up taking the traffic from the website and pushing it to other social networks to get more followers. The big thing that no one really talks about that SEO is really amazing with is email list building. My list is like 1.5 active people because I scrub my list on a daily basis. It just regularly scrubs automatically. So our open rates are well north of, not well north, but they're north of 30% on average. Sometimes we can get 40%, but let's just call it 30% for the bottom bar. And emails the really the money is in the list as everyone says yeah and it's just like i wouldn't have anywhere near that size of the list if it wasn't for seo dude it's uh i think what's hot right now is email lists it's podcasts i think even though like seo is declining we still it's it's still like you know pretty pretty significant yeah right what else is there you were you were telling me the other day quora is back in a big way yes so quora most people don't know this, but uh, like I even said this a couple of weeks ago. I said, I, I think Cora's dead, right? But here's what it says over here. So Cora just raised another $75 million from Andreessen Horowitz. This funding will be used to accelerate the growth of Poe, and we expect the majority of it to be used to pay bot creators through our recently launched creator monetization program. Was that AI related? I thought it's, I read the article. Like, it's AI related. They don't need the money, though, because here's the thing. Here's the key point here. Um, last week was our highest usage week ever, and with over 400 million monthly visitors, we will continue to invest in Core with the majority of our employees. So they're basically saying, like, you know, they, they have a lot of data that they can use for, for the AI, right? Which is, that's, you know, by the way, I, I finished the Elon book and Elon's like, towards the end of it, it's like, uh, he's like, yeah, you know, I didn't know that the data would be so valuable with X, but, uh, you know, I guess it's pretty nice. So same deal here. It's pretty nice to have this data. Dude, and Quora has some of the most commonly asked questions in the yeah. world. Uh, it is probably one of the best, if not the best repository for questions. Are they public? No, Quora's not, not public. publicly traded. Um, by the way, they're also cash flow positive. Why they raise the seventy five million? Because they want to move faster on AI. Oh, okay, I can see it. I don't know what yeah. their valuation is, but you yeah, know, it must be in the billions at least by now. Yeah. 
So yeah, I mean, that's interesting because I, you and I, like we, I don't use Quora that much. You don't use Quora either. Like I will tell you, I do read a lot of Reddit. Um, and now that, you know, after the helpful content update, like there's a lot more Quora, there's a lot more Reddit stuff that you can see. They almost have like a little box in, in the SERPs. Do you, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So but that's good. how I get my Quora info is oh, from the SERPs from Google. You click it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So Neil clicks it. I, I click, I click more Reddit than Quora, but Quora is still pretty decent. So, I yeah. click more Quora than Reddit. I, by the way, Quora helped me when I was when I was like 25 years old. Um, I I got like a 30 grand a month SEO contract because I was writing answers on Quora all the time, and someone found it, reached out to me, and I was 30 grand a month, and uh, that lasted for like a good like eight to nine months. It's pretty good. Well, the easiest way to respond to answers on Quora is you can. Well, now what I used to do is just look at my blogs and see what questions I already had answered in text, copy and paste my own blog posts, and then paste it on Quora. Yeah. Uh, but now you can actually probably use chat GPT yep. to answer the question yep. and then put it on Quora and then you're good to go. Dude, you know who made a lot of money on Quora? Uh, uh, Jason Lemkin from uh-huh. Saster. That's how he built his brand. And then that's how Saster, it's the largest SaaS conference in the world. I think it does like, just call it $20 million a year or so. It's a, you know, it's a decent business, right? And he's probably got a lot of deal flow through that too. That's true. I thought the largest SaaS conference was the one in Europe. I forgot what the name is. The one where you throw axes and the castle and stuff. that SaaS stock? Mine? Yeah. No, they're like bitter competitors. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. That's it for this podcast. Make sure you rate, review this episode. Give us five stars. We really appreciate it. Thank you for your time. Hey, guys. Back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck, yeah. And some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org.